Good morning and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. Thank you for tuning in to our online message. Uh, this morning, before we begin, I have a couple housekeeping announcements. Uh, the first one is, uh, many of you have filled out your pledge card for 2021, and I want to say thank you for doing that. Uh, if you have not yet filled out your pledge card for 2021, uh, I want to invite you to simply fill out this yellow card, put it in this envelope, and then go ahead and put this in the mail. Uh, if you prefer, uh, you can also send an email uh, to giving at myfaithlcmc.org, giving at myfaithlcmc.org, and, and let us know what your intentions are uh, for giving uh, in 2021 to Faith Lutheran Church. It's really helpful as we are planning our ministries uh, for next year, so thank you again uh, for your generous support of the ministries here at Faith. Uh, second housekeeping announcement is that many of you have already picked up your read through the Bible in 2021. Um, you can still pick up your Bible if you haven't done that yet. Uh, come on over to Union Park. Uh, we've got all the Bibles uh, sitting out on a table today uh, on Sunday until 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, go ahead and pick up your Bible. We've got a name, your name on a Bible just for you. And so I want to invite you to make sure you pick up your Bible uh, for 2021. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to the Old Testament book of Judges. Judges is the seventh book in the Old Testament, and today we're going to be looking at a story from Judges 6. Today is the second Sunday in Advent, and uh, during this season of Advent, this season of preparation, this season of waiting and wondering um, about God's presence in the world. And of course, during Advent, we are especially mindful uh, of the ways in which God came to earth. We call this the incarnation. God came from heaven to earth to dwell among us in the person of Jesus Christ. And this year, um, we're focusing on what does it mean to experience God's peace? What does it mean that God came from heaven to earth to bring us peace? And I think we could all use a little bit more peace in the midst of the pandemic, peace in the midst of financial struggles, peace in the midst of relationships that are broken and strained, uh, peace in the midst of uh, homeschooling and just lots of family time together. We're just not used to all the disruptions uh, that are going on in our lives and in our world. 2020 has been uh, like the longest year ever. And uh, we're counting down uh, to the very end. And so we continue to ask ourselves, about what does it mean to experience God's peace in the midst of the pandemic where there's so much stress, so much anxiety, uh, so much tension in our lives. And we're going to look at a great story from the Old Testament book of Judges as we think about God's peace uh, for our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for our time to, to worship you and to serve you, to open your word and reflect on what does it mean to experience your gift of peace as we all live in this crazy, 
upside down world filled with anxiety and stress and tension. Come and dwell among us, God. Reveal yourself and encourage us as we need encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a guy who is uh, completely stressed out walks into a doctor's office. And he says, Doc, I am so stressed out. I am having these weird dreams. And the doctor says, well, tell me about your dreams. And he said, well, two nights ago, uh, I dreamt that I was a teepee. And the doctor thought, huh, that's kind of strange. Well, any other dreams? And he said, yeah, last night I dreamt that I was a pup tent. What do you think this means, Doc? Did, does this make any sense to you? And the doctor thought a little bit about it, and he said, you know, I think I know what it is. And he said, well, what's going on? He said, I think you're too tense. You're too tense. Get it? Too tense. I think we are all a little too tense. We all need to just lighten up and laugh a little bit more. Because we are living in a day and time where there is so much stress and so much anxiety all around us. You know, I heard another story about a woman. Uh, she was so stressed out uh, that she would lay in bed at night. And she was stressed out because she was convinced uh, that a thief was going to come and steal stuff in her house. And she would lay in bed at night and she couldn't sleep. And she just had this idea in her mind uh, that a thief was going to come and steal things in her house. And this went on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. She was just convinced that a thief was going to come and steal some stuff in her house. Well, one night, uh, she and her husband uh, were in bed, uh, falling. Uh, they were getting ready to go to sleep, and all of a sudden they heard a noise downstairs. The husband looked at his wife and said, I'll take care of this. So he went downstairs to see what all the noise was. And when he got down there, sure enough, there was a thief. And so the husband looked at the thief and said, Sir, would you mind coming upstairs to meet my wife? She has been waiting for you to show up for over 10 years. And the point of the story is that a thief can come and steal from us just one time. But a thief who brings anxiety and stress in our lives, can steal years and years from our lives. We are living in a day and time where there is so much stress and so much anxiety that it's like a thief has come to take away our joy and our peace. You know, there's so much uh, stress that uh, a psychologist uh, by the name of Robert Leahy says it this way, the average student, high school student today, exhibits the same level of anxiety that a psychiatric patient exhibits, exhibited in the 1950s. Think about that. Our kids are stressed out today. They are filled with anxiety. 
I came across another study that uh, in 2019, July of 2019, 8.2% of Americans were dealing with some kind of anxiety disorder. 8.2% uh, of Americans. In July of 2020, the numbers have risen to 36% of Americans are now dealing with some kind of anxiety disorder. We are too tense. We are stressed out. There's so much anxiety in the world today. And it's almost as if peace is so elusive that we just can't even hardly imagine what it's like to experience God's peace in our lives. And there's this great story in the Old Testament uh, about a guy, a, a normal, everyday, ordinary guy by the name of Gideon. And God shows up and comes to Gideon and he offers him peace in a time and in a season where there was a lot of stress and anxiety among Gideon's people, the Israelites. Let me set the stage for you before we get to Judges 6. For about 400 years, God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt. And then one day along came Moses, and Moses uh, helped rescue God's people out of slavery. And Moses uh, uh, led God's people, the Israelites, for 40 years uh, through uh, the wilderness. And after 40 years, uh, Moses passed along the baton to another leader, a guy by the name of Joshua. And Joshua was a mighty warrior, and he led God's people into the promised land. And as they got into the promised land, God explained to Joshua and the Israelites, here's how I want you to do this. When you go into the promised land, there are going to be people there, and you need to get rid of all those people. And God's people, the Israelites, said, God, we've got a better plan. We think we know better than you how we can take care of the people, the Canaanites, the pagan people living in this land. And so for the next 200 years, it was this season of God's people. They didn't yet have a king. That would come in about 200 years. But it was this season of what was known as the season of Judges, and the judges were these leaders, and they were really trying to help God's people, the Israelites, learn how to live amongst one another in the, in the promised land. But they weren't just trying to learn how to live amongst one another as the Israelites, but they were trying to live among the pagan people, the Canaanites who were living in the land at that time. And all around uh, the, the, the promised land were the enemies of God and the Israelites. And so there's a lot of battles going on. There's a lot of struggle going along. There's a lot of disobedience going on. And because of the disobedience of God's people time and time again, God would allow the pagan people who were living in that land to rise up and to rule over the Israelites. And the, then the people, the Israelites, of course, they were miserable. 
And so they would cry out to God and say, God, we're sorry for disobeying you. And then God would raise up another judge or another leader to help overcome the, uh, the, the, their oppressors, the people who were uh, oppressing over the Israelites. And it was different groups, different tribes of people that would uh, rule over the Israelites. And in this particular story that we're going to look at today, the, the group of people that were ruling over the Israelites, they were called the Midianites from the land of Midian, which is in that area. And for seven years, God allowed the Midianites to rule over the Israelites until God's people said, yet again, God, we are sorry for being disobedient. Please rescue us. Please help us get out of this situation that we have put ourselves in because of our disobedience. And so the story picks up in Judges 6, beginning with verse 11. The angel of the Lord and came, came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. So the first thing we hear about in the story is that all of a sudden an angel shows up on the scene and meets this guy Gideon. Now before you get your mind all filled with an angel with wings and a white robe and maybe floating through the sky, uh, this was not the Old Testament understanding of angels. An angel uh, it really was someone uh, who was known as a messenger. And they could look like you, me, the UPS guy, United States postal worker. Um, they could look like the Amazon guy the, you know, that runs the packages up to your doorsteps. That was an angel, um, according to Old Testament Hebrew understanding of what an angel was. They were simply a messenger. They were uh, someone who brought news uh, to God's people. And it says it was an angel of the Lord. So it wasn't just uh, any old messenger but it was a messenger from God. And this messenger came to Gideon, uh, who was threshing wheat in a wine press. And what this tells us is that it is not a good time, because you would never thresh wheat uh, in a wine press. You would thresh wheat on the threshing floor. The threshing floor was always high up in the hills, and you did it up in the hills because when you were threshing, you would throw wheat up in the air. It was a way to separate the wheat from the chaff, and you needed the, the breeze from uh, being up high in the air, uh, and that would help to separate. So you would throw it up in the air, and the wind would carry away uh, the part of the wheat that you didn't want to use for your uh, baking. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, which is down in the valley, and it's much, much smaller. And then it's in an area where there's no good breeze blowing through. But Gideon is doing it in a wine press in an area. Tell, we, we, the, the, the clue here is that Gideon is afraid. Gideon is afraid that if he does this out in the open, that the Midianites are going to see him. They're going to come and steal his wheat. 
And so Gideon is no mighty warrior. He's no brave soldier. He's just a simple farmer with his nose to the ground trying to get by. And this, and an angel shows up. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon is no mighty warrior. He is a simple farmer doing what farmers do. And I love what the angel, when the angel comes and says this to Gideon, because this is oftentimes uh, how God treats God's people. Rather than identify them or call them or name them by their past, God looks at his people and says, this is who you are going to become. Today you're a farmer, but tomorrow you're going to be a mighty warrior. The story continues. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Gideon just won't have it. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. And so the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, I've got important work to, for you to do. And Gideon's response is, are you kidding me? You know, he says, he has three questions. Why, where, and how? And I think those are oftentimes questions that all of us ask when times are not good. Why is this happening to me, God? Why are we dealing with this horrible pandemic and all the, 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 the fallout that's happened uh, in our lives over the past 10, 11 months? Why is this happening, God? God, are you even paying any attention to what's going on in the world? God, if you had the slightest idea of how difficult, how frustrating, how filled with anxiety and stress I am, I have, you would not be asking me to do anything. Why, God? Why is this even happening? And where are you, God? I don't see you anywhere. I go through my day, day in and day out. I do what I do, and I don't see you anywhere. Where are you, God? And God, how are you going to make it happen? How can you make anything good happen? You seem to have forgotten us. God, do you know who I am? I am the weakest. My clan is the clan of Manasseh. We are not the warriors. We're the farmers. We are not even good farmers. We're the weak farmers. Why, God, how in the world do you think you are going to use me and my family to do anything. And this is oftentimes how God's people would respond when a messenger would come to them. Remember when God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want to use you to do something great. And Moses is like, I don't think I can do that. 
I stutter when I talk. I don't think I can go before Pharaoh. Or another time when God came to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I want to use you. And Jeremiah's like, wait a second, God. I'm way too young to be able to do what you want me to do. Over and over, God's people are most often not the heroes that we make them out to be. There are people oftentimes like you and me that are filled with excuses for all the reasons why they can't do what God has called them to do. And that's certainly Gideon's uh, response as well. God, I don't think so. God, I think you've got the wrong guy. And so there's a standoff between Gideon and God's messenger. Verse 17, Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait for you to return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat from the ephah of flour he made, bread without yeast. Putting the meat in the basket and broth in its pot, he brought them out and offered uh, them to him under the oak. The angel of God said, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And then the angel of the Lord disappeared. I love that Gideon asked for a sign. Hey, God, if it's really you, give me a sign. Show me what you are up to if it's really you. And oh, did God show up and give Gideon a sign. When Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Afra of the Abiz rites. You know, I think it's really interesting that Gideon builds an altar. And he doesn't call the altar, the Lord is amazing. The Lord is wonderful. The Lord is powerful. The Lord is a fire. The Lord is miraculous. Gideon doesn't write any of those things. Gideon says, the Lord is peace. Now, don't miss the irony in the story. The very place where the angel of God comes to Gideon to make him a warrior, to battle against their enemies all around them. He calls that the place of peace. Gideon does not have peace in the moment when the angel shows up, and Gideon is not going to have peace for a little while because Gideon is now getting ready to go to battle and fight a war. And yet he calls that place the Lord 
is peace. It's this great reminder that when God comes to us, he invites us to experience his presence, his peace. But we may not experience that peace right away. Sometimes there are battles uh, to go into so that we can fight to experience God's peace. And many of you know the story of Gideon. Uh, that's exactly what happened. God built up this army of 32,000 uh, Israelite warriors to go, to, get, to go into battle. And Gideon is to lead the charge. That's pretty good. This humble farmer guy, all of a sudden, he is the warrior leader with 32,000 troops. And as he's getting ready to go into battle, he's, getting, he's sizing up the Midianites, their enemy, the people that they need to battle against. And pretty soon Gideon learns that his 32,000 um, soldiers, men, on his side were going to be going to battle against 135,000 Midianites. Now those are not good odds uh, for Gideon and the Israelites. But God looks at Gideon and those 32,000 uh, soldiers and says, Okay, guys, are you ready to go to battle? And Gideon's like, I guess so. And just as they're getting ready to go into battle, God looks at Gideon and says, Now, wait a second. Just wait a second. Before you go into battle, uh, we got to fix something here. You have too many soldiers, you have too many warriors. I want you to send home 20,000, 22,000, in fact. And so Gideon's like, all right. So Gideon sends home 22,000 Israelite uh, warriors. And now he's only got 10,000 warriors on his side. And the Midianites have 135,000 warriors on their side. And so God looks at Gideon again and says, Gideon, are you ready to go to battle? And Gideon's like, all right, I guess. And God says, wait, wait, you've still got too many warriors on your side. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to send home 9,700 of your warriors. So Gideon tells 9,700 of his warriors to go home. And so Gideon starts out with 32,000 warriors getting ready to go into battle against 135,000 Midianite warriors. And now he's only got 300. In other words, Gideon now has less than 1% of his original army. He's not a very good warrior, you got to admit, leading the troops into battle. And when you think about the numbers here, that means one Israelite warrior for every 400 Midianites. So every single one has to take on 400 Midianite warriors. And so God looks at these 300 Israelite warriors and he says, are you ready to go now and fight the battle? And Gideon's like, I guess so. And God says, just wait, one more thing. I want you to put down all your weapons, 
all your armor, everything that you would use for warfare, I've got something else I want you to use for the battle. And so Gideon and his 300 men put down all their battle weapons. And God says, I'm going to give you trumpets and clay pots. That's it. Those are your battle tools, trumpets and clay pots. None, you don't need any of those other things. And so Gideon and his 300 soldiers, they get ready to go into battle against 135,000 Midianites. And God uses the nighttime, the, the surprise of the night, to attack on the Midianites. And at just the right time, God says, blow the trumpets, and they blow their trumpets. Now smash your clay pots, and they smash their clay pots. And all the noise of the trumpets and the smashing of the clay pots, it wakes up the Midianites from their sleep, and they're confused, and they're looking around, and they become very, very fearful. And before you know it, the Midianites scatter like flies off into the wilderness. And at that point in time, Gideon and his soldiers chase them down, and they wipe out every single one of the Midianites, just like God said he would. You know, the point, I think, of the story of Gideon and his army is that in order for them to be successful and to truly experience God's peace, they needed to scale down. They needed to let go of all those things in their lives that they thought were going to actually bolster them in their war effort against the Midianites. And I think the lesson is the same for you and for me. Oftentimes we surround ourselves with so much more, so many things that we think are going to bring us peace. Things like job titles, things like bank accounts, things like people in our lives. And, and we spend time around these things and around these people. And we think to ourselves, ah, if I just have the corner office, then I'll have peace. If I just get that degree, then I'll have peace peace. If I just marry that person, then I'll have peace. If I just have this much money in the bank, then I'll have peace. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with education. In fact, I, I think education is a, a really good and important thing. But when we approach education and higher degrees, uh, so with the, the thought that that's going to give us peace in our lives, then we become disappointed. There's nothing wrong with a bank account with money in it, as long as we don't look at our bank account and think to ourselves, as long as I've got this much money, then I'm going to have peace. There's nothing wrong with having meaningful relationships, friends and family and spouses in our lives to surround us with, to go through the journey of life together with. Those, it's so important to have people in our lives, but we can't have people in our lives with the thought that those people are going to bring us peace. 
See, what God is teaching Gideon is that God alone is the one who can fight for peace. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas time, is that God came into the world to go to battle for you and for me and for all of humanity, to fight the battle that we cannot win. We try on our own time and time again to experience peace through all the things of this world. And there's lots of really good things in this world, but oftentimes we we gather these things into our lives with the understanding that when I just have enough stuff, when I just have more people in my life, then I'm going to have peace. And the truth is that we can only experience peace in this world when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus came into the world, so that we can have a relationship with him, that he can offer us this kind of peace that we so desperately crave. You know, we were born wonderful We were born good. God created you and God loves you. But you were also born with a sin problem. And because of your sin, you are separated from God and you are separated from all that is good in this world. And so God says, you can't fix the brokenness in your life. Only I can do that. And so God invites us, like God invited Gideon, to let go of all those things that Gideon thought would bring him peace in the midst of the battles of life. And so this Advent season, I want to invite you to let go of all those things in your life. Maybe it's uh, someone in your life that you're really looking to them to bring you peace. Maybe it's a job or maybe it's a career that you've just banked everything on to give you peace. Or maybe it's, it's an aspiration to get more and more money, to build a bigger and bigger retirement fund, thinking to yourself all the while, when I get more, then I'll have peace. And again, those things are good. Those things are fine. But when we allow those things to overwhelm us and overtake our lives, we become stressed, we become filled with anxiety, and nothing can replace that peace in our lives like only Jesus can. So let us pray as we ask for God to come and bring us peace. God, we thank you that you are a God who came into this world to rescue us, to sustain us, to lead us by the hand as we go through life. And that God, ultimately, that we can only find peace with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. So God, help us to be mindful of all those things, those good things in our lives, those blessings in our lives for sure. But Lord, those things that are also maybe holding us back from experiencing your true peace. God, help us to just let go. Let go of all the battles that we're fighting in this world and just allow you to go to battle for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.